Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Kindness is more than just being nice. Being kind can help you in every aspect of life. Gabriella Van Ray has traveled all over the world from classrooms to boardrooms, spreading this message and daring people to be kind. Gabrielle, thank you so much for talking with me today. I will never again complain about being too busy. You <laughs> you have redefined a woman who does it all. You have three books. You have a school program that you take out across the U.S. And in September of 2017, you were elected to the position of Secretary General of the World Kindness Movement. Oh, my goodness, woman. How did you how do you fit it all in one day? Well, the truth is, it's just discipline, really. But the discipline is so easy because I love what I do. So um, most of my days start at six o'clock in the morning and my writing comes first. And then, so I'm busy at book number four. <laughs> and then after that, I immediately, you know, I have set moments that I do different things. And then when I'm on the road, I got to honestly say, I have a team of women and a couple of men in there, and they are awesome. So without them, I would be nothing. <laughs> they are my brain when I'm on the road. Yeah, right, because it can get a little foggy. I understand that. Yes, sometimes you don't know what day it is. Mm -hmm. But they always, like, honestly, five minutes ago, my manager, who happens to be traveling, texted, you're on. <laughs> get to that computer. Get to the computer. The podcast is about to start. Yay. Yeah. So they're they're really incredible. And sometimes, you know, people forget that you got to have great people working with you that are just as passionate about what you do as you are. Right. And that it's okay to allow yourself to to be the recipient of their kindness. Yes. Absolutely. I am. They say I'm a good boss too, but I don't feel you know, it's it's really interesting. When you do this kind of work, one of the most beautiful things, and, and maybe your listeners will really like this, when you are not the boss, when you just act as one of them and we brainstorm continuously together, that creates creativity from everyone. So it's mm -hmm. all accepted. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we don't have like... When we talk to each other every single day at 4 p.m., we talk because Tomoko happens to be in Japan. So we accommodate her hour. And then it's just the ideas just bounce off, like what happened last week and what happened then. And yeah, and it's so I, I'm always astounded at the creativity when you let people just run with an idea. It's amazing what happens. Mm, I love and, it. And that is kindness to me. That is, you know, when you, you're all equal in the team and you all just get it done. And when there's a mistake, you just say, oh, oops. Move on, move on, let it go. Send an email to the person that we go, oops, no attachment. <laughs> and I said, it's just part of life, you yeah. know? Right, right. So, so that's why we work so well together. And we're from all different areas in the world. And that's that helps, too, because we see things differently when we live in different countries. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very helpful. Well, and I think that that's one of the things that I'd like to talk with you about, because you seem to foster 
acceptance across cultures so well and, and do such a great job of teaching other people how to do that. Can you can you teach us a little bit about that? Because yes, it's hard sometimes. It's 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 hard. Well, for me, it's not hard, but I it's hard for people because I think they don't understand the word what acceptance means. See, I'm not talking that you need to love the person. I am really saying that when you have a human being across from you, they are just that, a human being. And I was taught that respect is always given immediately, meaning that's where I start. So I have a broad respect for the person across from me, even if I don't know them. Hmm. And that is my personal starting point. I respect you. I presume you respect me. Let's start talking. So when they have the dialogue and we have the conversation, it becomes so much easier from that starting point. Now, when we start, and this is what I found out in the last few years, very, very clearly, when we start from the starting point, and and you're going to laugh a little bit at this, from tolerance, then all the problems start. Like when we say, oh, you're from a different culture, I will tolerate you. Mm -hmm. Then we have a problem because I always say to people that tolerance is only a very um, impolite way of being intolerant. And then people say, what did you just say? (laughs) I said, tolerance is only an impolite way, an impolite form, if you want to, of being intolerant. And they go, wow, I never thought of that. And so if you come from that, kindness is totally impossible because you have no respect because they speak with a heavy accent and you don't really understand them. And it's, you have to make that effort. Mm -hmm. And coming from my way, the way I do it, there's no effort because I instantly say, oh, I love your accent. Where does it come from? And you speak great English and people are, people relax immediately. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, especially people in America that often do not speak two or three languages, if we can give that benefit of the doubt, if we can put people at ease that the mistakes in English are more than okay, then, you know, English is my third language. <laughs> Right. You've so, got English, French, Dutch, and some Spanish in, in your vocabulary, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I even do interviews in Spanish, but they get me very nervous. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> interviews but, in English make me nervous, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, only the ones in Spanish. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? The Spanish-speaking people are so impressed that I give it a try. Right. That they put me at ease, and then it just flows. And, and that is that part of, of acceptance, that when we do that, it is just amazing. So for me, I, I have one of my talks that's called, a tolerance is not good enough. Let's be accepting of one another. Because I think if we could do this, we would see a world open. It's, it's really just a, a mindset. It's, it's the same thing like, uh, I'm going to give you an analogy. If you get dressed in the morning, which I hope we all do, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to ask. No, don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> then at least put kindness on too, because kindness mm. becomes a choice. 
and it's part of of makeup it's part of putting on your clothes and it's part of your daily life but i think if we consciously think of that i don't think there is a human being that wakes up and that says today i'm not going to be kind i don't think that exists i don't think anyone has that thought that crosses their mind ever right so for me if we can do that then the acceptance actually starts easily Gabriella, do you think that your unique upbringing perhaps laid the foundation and the groundwork for acceptance and then kindness? And can you share what that was like for you, your upbringing with our listeners? Yes, I actually believe that we were all born with innate kindness. So we we all have it. You have it. I have it. The listeners have it, right? Mm-hmm. But um, my unique upbringing is that the first three years of my life, which are really important, apparently, if you ask all the psychologists. <laughs> I won't get into that part. <laughs> um, the first three years uh, were spent in an orphanage. Mm-hmm. And I think that my unique perspective is that I didn't have the concept of family. And so my concept is actually, we're all in this together. And I feel that that is the unique thread that I have. We're all in this together, meaning the 50 children in the orphanage were equal to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, the nuns were kind of our family, right? In this Catholic orphanage in Pakistan. So for your listeners, I was born in Pakistan and they think it was my biological mother that brought me to the orphanage. And the nuns asked the woman that dropped me off, don't leave, stop. And she was really scared, apparently. I was told this later, of course. Mm -hmm. And they said to her, don't be scared, but please give the child a birth date and please give the child a name. Now, and they said, it's just for the child. At least it has something from you. And uh, the mother, this person gave it, which we all assume is the mother, uh, and so uh, I have two birth names, and they are Nasim Akhtar, and I have no idea if I pronounced this correctly. <laughs> <laughs> and the nuns immediately baptized me Catholic, and I received the name Gabriella. And then um, in my first passport, they kept those names. And so my adopted parents, I was adopted uh, all the way to the Netherlands. And they decided as a gift to me to keep my birth names in my passport as middle names. And so that's kind of my last connection to Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And I've never set foot back. And then my parents, my Dutch parents, moved around a lot because my father was a diplomat. And they gave me the unique perspective that the world is no bigger than our finger. And I really believed that as a child. And my father didn't say necessarily you can do anything that you can dream. I wasn't taught that, but I was taught that if you have a dream to visit Egypt, um, the world is small. Go do it. Hmm. And that was unique, I think, because I, I did the same. I gave the same gift to my daughter and she flies all over the world without hesitation. (laughs) I think that we, we, I would love to throw away the borders. Do you, do you know what I mean? And and I'm not 
think, I mean, your listeners might go, oh my God, Gabriela, what are you saying? We need security. And I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about um, when, for example, the United Nations sits at the table, then you have all their little flags in front of them, right? Um, When I sit in an IC meeting in Seoul, for the WKM, for the World Kindness Movement. We all have the little flags. And I put my Dutch flag down because I feel that I belong to every country. Mm. Because every time I meet someone, that person rubs off on me too, in a positive way, because that person taught me something. I think we forget that the person across from you has so much knowledge to share with you. And the easiest example I can give you right now is food. Think of it. We, we eat in, in Chinese restaurants, in Japanese restaurants, while not having ever set foot in those countries, right? Right. And we love the food, but we are unaccepting of the people that serve it to us. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is mind-boggling. And I've seen that in my life, you know? How come that we go to a real authentic Chinese restaurant where obviously everyone is Chinese serving because that's what we want, right? We want it to be authentic. But then we kind of treat that person unkindly because they're Chinese. That makes no sense to me. Right. We get frustrated because they can't understand us as easily as we had hoped they would understand us or we can't understand them. It's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I- I just point to the menu and I say, good? Mm? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, when you do things like that with a smile on your face, I feel like it crosses all of those borders. Yeah. And I think there's one more unique thing that is different for me personally, um, is I have kept truly the child in me. And I don't mean that I'm not a responsible adult. Of course I am. But I've kept that that joie de vivre, you know, I've kept mm-hmm. that joy of life that, sorry, that came out in French. Just uh, it was like, beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> um, I've kept that, that, that beauty of the child that just is spontaneous, that is always in awe. I think that is the key to life. I'm in awe. So how uh, do we do that, Gabriella? How do we hold on to that when... There are laundry baskets and there are grocery lists and, and, you know, there are people who stumble across us and, and bump right into our happy. How do we keep the joie de vivre? Stop worrying. I think me personally, for the first part of my life, I worried like crazy about everything. Did my daughter have, you know, her outfit? Was it ironed? Was it this? You know, I mean, I think there is something in us that wants to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I am absolutely flawed and very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I accepted that. I, I at, at finally at forty, I went, got it, got it. I, I, I got to be happy with my flaws. I got to, and and it really, it it drops that chip off your shoulder. I am not perfect, mm-hmm. and and trying that doesn't mean that I don't want to do my job with due diligence, but there's a difference between due diligence and doing my best than being perfect. 
I don't strive for that anymore. So if you bring that back, that that the happiness comes automatically. And then you're more readily to say, I made the mistake. I'm so sorry, guys. And when you do that, the whole world around you reacts differently because I accept who I am. And if you do that, like, for example, you can imagine when you meet me, I have brown skin and I obviously look like I come from India. Most people say India, Middle East, you know, and then I say I'm Dutch. And so <laughs> I tell people the moment I stepped into who I am, yes, I have a Catholic name, Gabriella. Yes, I have a leg in Europe, right? I have a, a leg in the mm -hmm. West and I have a leg in the East and it's okay to belong to me. Mm -hmm. The moment I did that, things just went so smoothly. It's, it's kind of incredible when you embrace that. And I think that's the part. We always want to be what either our mothers taught us or our fathers taught us or what the school, um, you know, kind of, if I may say so, pushed into us. Mm -hmm. And we have to find out, and I think that's the beauty of, of being a young adult, you then have the beauty of finding out who you are. And those mistakes are not mistakes. They're, they're assets. Every mistake I made is an asset. It's flipping, you're flipping the, the way that you look at it, the way that you think of it. Yeah. If yeah. our listeners, uh, I, I think that they're probably going to be captivated by your story of your upbringing. It's in your memoir, With All My Might. And then yes. you have another book called I Can Find My Might, uh, which is a practical self-help resource. And then you have a book called Watch Your Delivery. And this is the one that I want to focus in on because I'm hoping you can help me with something. Yeah. Okay. So we might put on kindness. We might dress ourselves in kindness for the day. And then we go out and someone cuts us off in traffic. Someone slams the door in our face. Someone says something really rude that we didn't think we should be the recipient of. Life is full of what we might call difficult people. So how can we be less reactive to toward those people and more proactive in our kindness? Well, the first thing we need to remember is that we're all reactive human beings. We just are. And, and knowing that is helpful. And then a step that you could do for your listeners is see when you are being reactive. And the, the way to the trick to that is look at your family because we are the most reactive with the people the closest to us. Amen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> so having said that, um, I didn't always, I'm, I'm totally human, like I said, I didn't always have good relationships with my sister. And she's my only sister. Mm -hmm. And I looked at that. And each time she says something, there I go. Because the answer is, I didn't don't feel good enough by what she says. And so I learned that it's the feeling. It is not the words she's saying. It is the tone and the feeling it gives me. And when you don't feel good enough, what do you do? Bam, there you go, you slam, right? Right. The example I can give you is a real good example. Sit in a, in a boardroom at the office, right? You have a whole team together 
and you know that you failed, right? You didn't do something. Mm -hmm. And when you walk in, you already know that. Now you have two choices. You can wait till someone calls you out and then you be reactive back, right? Because you feel like they threw you under the bus mm -hmm. in front of everyone, right? Especially if you have to work in a team, they're all dependent on each other. Right. But you could also do it differently. And I think that's where kindness comes in is that the moment I walk into the meeting, I say, hey, folks, I'm to blame that we're late for this project because I didn't deliver in time to miss or Mr. X, Y, or Z, I didn't deliver the documents. So we're not on time. And you say that with the biggest smile and the apology, and there is a total different reaction because they're all, nobody shouts at you because there's like, oh. It takes okay. away the defensiveness and the yes. offensiveness. And no excuses. Don't right. go into these def these excuses. I didn't because I was babysitting. I had a child. Or Don't go there. You didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I try to teach people not to be so defensive because that's our mechanism too. I didn't because. Don't do that. You didn't. It's not interesting for people to know the long list why you didn't. That's an <laughs> excuse for yourself. You can say it in your head for yourself if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> go for it. But just, you know, readily go there. And, and another thing that I do, like yesterday I was cut off and I didn't react at all because I really don't care. I live in Los Angeles, so you can imagine I get cut off at least... 20 times a day. Right. So if I had to live like that, I would I would be a, a basket case, right? Right. <laughs> but one of the things that we don't do, and maybe this helps you in watch your delivery, we don't see things. We are so on automatic robot. See, people don't cut you off if you actually see that they're trying to get in. Maybe we could reverse the roles. In Germany, when I drive, there's never a problem because they work on the same principle as a stop sign here. You just merge one after another. Mm -hmm. You go to France, nobody merges. Everyone comes to the same point and trying to merge, and then it's a mess, and it takes a half an hour to clean it up. And this happens in America, too. I mean, I'm just saying France because they're very reactive there, too, mm -hmm. especially in driving. And so everyone shouts and it's it's a mess. But what if you saw what if you stopped the automatic pilot and you actually saw the world around you? Like yesterday, I was driving out of a parking lot of a grocery store. Right. And they were so surprised that I let the other person go first and I got honking in the back of me and I still let the person go mm -hmm. because there, again, it's your choice. Is that one second going to really make the difference right. in traffic? The answer is no. And so watching your delivery starts with you. And I have found that when I work with my team, I always say when I haven't slept well. So when the conversation mm -hmm. starts on Skype, I will say, oh, guys, sorry, I'm really tired. If I'm slow today, I just had a bad day. And they go, oh, wow. And then they are kind 
to me. Right. They know you need extra. And I think this is a big error that we do. We do it with our spouses. We do it at work. We come in. We can have a bad day. Say it. Mm-hmm. We, we don't say it. We shout immediately to our assistant. We're grumpy everywhere. We go to the coffee machine. Why? The simple thing is, guys, I had a bad day. Give me a break today, please. Cover, cover my back <laughs> tomorrow. And that's it. The day goes really, I'm not saying it goes well because you're tired, but it goes smoothly. And there is no reactiveness from anyone. Because one of the things that I feel in 2018 is that we really need to work on this because our our delivery is unfiltered, uncensored, and truly unacceptable, and especially online. Right. Yes. And I mean online, even in emails. Mm-hmm. At the moment, we don't understand emails, and I just had a situation like this. So it's an example of something that I had. I found the emails very impolite the way they were coming. It was always negative. If I only get negative treatment and I'm only told by a team that what I'm doing is not good and that I need to correct it, I always say to them, think of the sandwich effect. Say something, if you want to say something, you know, a little bit delicate, like I really would like you to do something better, then give them a compliment, tell them that their work is awesome, Mm -hmm. and then say, however, not but, because people know the but, change your but to however, I would really appreciate it that you would add this little thing too, because that would really help me uh, understand it better, and then you end with a compliment. I promise you that when you do that, nobody, nobody is unkind. Nobody gives you lip service. Nobody. Great advice, Gabriella. Thank you so much for talking with us today. You've given us a lot to talk about and a lot to think about with dealing with difficult people and dealing with ourselves too. Yes, it starts with us. It really does. And we need to communicate how we feel. That would make life a lot easier. And it's not easy to do, but I hope they start today. Thanks, Gabriella. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. That was a conversation with Gabriella Van Ray. Learn more about the Dare to be Kind movement online at Gabriella.global. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Madeline Peck. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, we'd love it if you'd spread some kindness in the review section. 